0: Giving Credit is a podcast giving those making a difference their credit. On a weekly basis, we'll be interviewing parents, tech CEOs, financial experts, kid entrepreneurs, and others to learn about credit education, financial literacy, and building wealth equity. Thanks for joining us. I am thrilled for this episode of Giving Credit to welcome Brighton Barazia who is the CEO of Wealth Marathon with over a decade of experience working with Canada's largest banks and providing sound, straightforward financial advice to young Canadian professionals and families. Brighton, thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate being on.
0: Absolutely. So I gave a very little snippet of who you are, but I'd love for you to share a little more about how you got into this industry why you decided to start your own company?
1: Yeah, um, I've been in finance basically since at a high school, at university. university. Um, so I went into um, personal finance, largely because of my parents' background. So we're immigrants originally from, from Nigeria. Mm. Um, my parents immigrated to Canada. And earlier, just being a kid, I just saw how like money impacts people's quality of life. And when they came to Canada, they just weren't getting really good information. So. I think as a kid, being kind of watching that experience growing up, kind of just really wanted me to get into understanding how come people don't know this stuff and how what was the information my parents didn't get that impacted them so much. So that's kind of the motivating factor why I wanted to go into personal finance. So after university, I pretty much was looking for a job in personal finance. Um, mm-hmm. And I spent 10 years doing, you know, from mortgage underwriting, credit underwriting to mm-hmm. personal financial advising. Um, and just trying to pick up all those tidbits, and i learned a lot <laughs> and one of the things you know as you go as you get older you start to there's like i had this like mythical thing i had with personal finance which is like you know these are professionals and they're always in your own know, an interest and i think while there's a lot of people who are trying to do that it's just sometimes it can be difficult to realize when you're in the wrong system mm. um so they're really good quality high knowledge people in that field It just sometimes the system doesn't allow them to do what's right for their clients all the time. Or like I stated, um, it can sometimes put you in a position where they're having to pick they're fitting their family or you know doing right by you. And that's a very difficult position to be in. So that's where wealth came about is I really didn't want that environment. I want an environment where people are working with me, they can be absolutely sure. and I can be absolutely sure that my only interest is really being judged on how well I'm able to advise you and help you understand the concepts. Or get to where you're trying to go without worrying about, you know, do I have a product to pitch you? Do I have something else? You know, I didn't want any of that. So that's what wealth marathon came about. It's just a place where you can just have straightforward financial advice without worrying about, you know, the constant product push you face.
0: I love that so much. I think it's really important yeah. because you're offering them unbiased information on what's really going to be the best value for them because every person's situation is different, right? So, absolutely.
1: You're absolutely right. And that's really the, and it just, it's like sometimes I would say, like, it's difficult to be, because it's like the financial industry business and then there's advising business. And those things should be connected, but they're not always connected. Um, Cause you would think as a, you know, as a client that what's good for my advisor should be good for me. Um, And you have to really be thoughtful about that to make sure that business model does at the end of the day result in that. Um, but a lot of times it just doesn't. A lot of times it's people who don't really know how to make money just selling your product, <laughs> but they're giving the impression, like they know how to make money. Oh, so wow. sometimes that disconnect there. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I very much resonate with your story. My mom came to the United States from Thailand. And so oh. I think oftentimes when our parents are immigrants, um, they come to a new country where credit finance, everything is completely different systems and you have, and they have to learn it. So they don't often talk to us about it even more. probably, You know, I know that um, money is often taboo with families or it has been in the past, even people who are native um, citizens. Right. But I think for us, there's like that extra barrier um, because they have to learn it all. They don't even know the system. And then, like you said, they may be getting good or bad advice. And so we have to see what happens with them.
1: Yeah, you absolutely 100, and that's kind of I think also too for our parents in our generation. It's this idea of like, um how do you teach your kid? You're supposed to be the parent, right? Yeah. But you're strong internally and trying to figure out like I don't know this stuff, um, and you're as a kid, you're trying to figure it out for them to help them out, but you don't have enough experience to really understand what they're going through. So it's it was a huge, it's a weird dynamic because I remember I would like talk about certain things by dad, and I could just feel now that and I'm a parent understands like little kids trying to tell you what to do with your money. <laughs> you kind of always laugh, right? But it's just, you know, I, I feel, and I think that experience just really fueled me because I understand you are right, it is kind of taboo. And I would say to people, like, it shouldn't be taboo. Like, you should talk about it. If You talk to your friends about what they're doing because if your friend has a certain lifestyle that you enjoy and you're not talking about it, how are you going to know what they're doing?
0: No, how do
1: you know if maybe what you're seeing on the outside is reflecting we know what's actually happening internally, so we gotta talk about these things. I just think it's one of those things. I was like, in my culture, like I don't know about you, but growing up, like my parents, I never talked about sex yeah. and money. That was yeah. just like, those things are not happening. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I'm a parent now; and those are topics I have to be able to discuss because the environments are different, and I also want my kids to understand money far more better than even I did uh when I get to a certain age, right? So it's yeah. just. It's different, but with our parents, I think they sparked us to kind of be like, "This is a really important thing" because we got to see the effects it has on someone or your life when you don't understand
0: that. Absolutely. So, you are a parent. What are you doing? How are you teaching your kids? Like, how old are they, and and how are you instilling those values of having those open, honest conversations about money, finance, credit?
1: yeah um I think there's like what I envisioned becoming become current when I finally I to my book is <laughs> <Yeah>. a reality <laughs> <laughs> so I wish I could give you that I have like, some crazy the thing is honestly at this point he's 2 I'm just enjoying it yeah. um, I'm not there yet but I think the one thing I, I think I'm trying to keep an eye on because I know it's really how we learn it's just my behavior so a lot of those times, I know a lot of the things that I picked up from my parents was just kind of like they did it consistently. I just picked up that habit. Um, so that's the one that I'm keeping an eye on. Obviously, I'll try to you know, teach the things that I've learned. Um, but I think I'll just, I don't know if I'm going to be successful, to be honest, and so forth. But uh, part of what I'm underlying motivation to write my book is really that is to have the place where he can kind of discover those things yeah. on his own without having that parental, you know, how we are as kids. Like, I don't listen to my parents, like, that, whatever. <laughs> um so i'm hoping when he gets that age he can pick up the book and read a little bit of kind of my thought process on it Mm -hmm. um but at the end of the day what i'm trying to focus as a parent is just behavior understand like it's good to say all the right things but they have to see you actually following through on those things so you know with the other day we're just the grocery store um and he was had those little kids uh grocery carts (laughs) together so yeah which by the way is a real trap for the parents because i didn't go in because they have all these little products right at their eye level that I don't catch on to. And he sees them, he's puts things in his cart. And I'm like, buddy, like, that's not how it works. You don't just buy everything, <laughs> but he doesn't know. So I think yeah. there's the experience I'm starting to realize, which is like things that I want to teach him and the reality of trying to teach a kid about money. Yeah. Um, and if I could elaborate a little bit, I don't know about you, but like the biggest challenge I'm struggling with still is. How do you recreate that environment that we had? I didn't have a lot growing up. Yeah. And, you know, a kid that has more resources, this may sound weird to say, but it's actually tougher to educate in that environment because I knew my parents didn't have stuff, so I, I probably didn't ask for a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. you know? So a lot of it was just me seeing that experience and how it was going on. My kid has way more things than I did. Um, so it's trying to find that balance between being like that Old school restricted parent that I grew up with, with the reality <laughs> that he doesn't need, he doesn't have that environment. So it'd be very unauthentic, yeah. which is something that I'm struggling with as a parent: is how do I adapt that environment I have to the reality of the environment my kid is actually growing up with?
0: Yeah, um, and so, then, yeah, it's a struggle. And <laughs> Glenn Brighton, so your your son is almost old enough to use Kitty Credits app. My daughter That's is right. 14, but she's <laughs> on the other side. She's graduated. Oh, okay. <laughs> But um, and I think it is really hard because our kids grow up with so much more than we had in terms of information, even just information, access to things, seeing them being bombarded by so many things, right, that we weren't. I mean, on top of just the issues of trying to be a good parent and instill values, they have all these other external factors going on that we didn't have. Um, And so for my daughter, some things I always try to do was think about money of like, You know the save, spend, invest, donate, and what do you do with each of those? Um, She is fortunate that her dad set up a small investment account for her, so she can see how money works. Um, Awesome. She's been doing that for maybe six months a year, but you know, yeah, I'm on the other side of the spectrum, so we'll have to continue having (laughs) these conversations. But I hope to teach me your
1: tips when I
0: (laughs) get I'd love for you to talk about your book
1: yeah so the book is master your mortgage uh what the bank will tell you about buying the right home mm. um, the, the chances of the book really is um there's this idea and again information knowledge is power i remember one of the biggest stuff my, my my dad ever said is like once you learn something no matter what it is they can't take it away from you so learn as much as you can so that's really when it came to home ownership i i wrote the book and the good thing i've heard from feedback from people. It's really not, it's a book about mortgage underwriting, but it's really not about that. What mm-hmm. I'm really trying to communicate to people who are home ownership is how emotional this process is and how when you're emotionally invested in something, it's very difficult to think clearly,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: So what I'm trying to do is give people an understanding, like tell my experience. I grew up as a kid who rented most of his life you know, out of life. And I didn't realize how much a home, I was using a home ownership as a means to sort of tell people, hey, I'm successful, look at me. I'm, I'm an immigrant story and all the different things, right? In doing that, you know, my saving grace was I worked in the financial industry and had clients that were successful. So I was basically having interviews with successful people <laughs> every day. And I would chime in and ask them. And I started to realize that the couple of those things, and I started to realize what home ownership is and the separation between an asset and a liability. So the book is really giving you or someone who's looking to home ownership, whether you're an existing homeowner, or you're going to become a homeowner, is walking through that process in a non-biased way and just give you the facts. And the way I approach it was telling you how the banks qualify you. Okay. Because I think that's important for you to know how someone is determined how they're going to give you money. Most people don't just give money for free. But if you understand how their system works, then you can start to understand, does that system benefit me is it in my best interest or is it really in their best interest but they're presenting the way that seems like it's good for me so that's the genesis of the book is really giving you a different approach of homeownership by telling you how banks approve you to help you understand their system and then be able to determine if that system works best for you
0: yeah i think that's a very important distinction and you've mentioned it a couple times um and i even think when you're buying a car this is going to be applied the same thing can be applied right um absolutely if, if it's towards the end of the month and a dealership needs to make their numbers they might approve <laughs> you for a car even if you shouldn't be approved for that car but then they might go back and try to take it away later i had that happen when i was in my early 20s i you know drove off the lot and they said oh no just kidding because they wanted my money for their numbers but then as soon as the next month they said oh we weren't supposed to give you that car we're supposed to give you this other car and I said, "You yeah. can't do that." And then you if you have to either, you know, a lot of people I think just give up. You go back and you and same thing for mortgages, like understanding the complexities of how the systems are set up and how can you work within those systems, or how can you find other ways. So, um, what is one of totally? You know, please.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, when, I, when I did uh, auto underwriting, I did subprime auto underwriting, which is like a whole nother thing. Um, but you're absolutely right. It never, it always, uh, being someone was a fighter, I'm like, why are people signing up for 29% loans, mm-hmm. you know, and like depreciating asset, but I would see this month after month after month after month. So I think you're absolutely right. It's just, you know, someone, someone, you know, is trying to provide a vehicle to take their kid to work or, you know, you know be able to get groceries. There's other factors. And they fail to forget, like you know, that's not really your interest. Like twenty percent is really not in your interest, but um, that's the system that's set up. And I always remember um, with the CEOs, the way they always, you know, we're providing a service because people need the service, Um, and that's that's fair. This is a free market system, and you have to understand that. That's fair. It's just I wish you know more education was being because I imagine if you break down people and tell them how this works. Most people who are, you know, thinking clearly would go, doesn't make sense in my personal interest. It's take someone that's depreciating at a 29% rate. <laughs> so I don't, but you're right. It's, it's, it's one of those emotions is a big part of finance. And it's one of the things I think, um, we don't give enough weight to that it's okay to be rational. You just have to understand that that's what makes it really difficult with money is you have to be very rational, but all the things you want are mm-hmm. emotional and they make you feel good but not necessarily financially <laughs> smart book.
0: yeah so when it comes to mortgage underwriting what is something um, that you can share with us that won't give your whole book away um that's something that was uh surprising that you found out in the process well and or actionable for our listeners
1: yeah yeah sure so i'll give you two things i'll give the underwriting side of things that i found out was surprising which is the whole idea that People are qualified based on their gross income, and mm-hmm. then they're expected to make payments back on the net after tax income. Mm-hmm. So that's really critical to understand. It's like a simple thing, but it's, it's really major, and it can explain why someone could get into financial uh, trouble when they buy a home. So if you just think of someone, let's say you get approved for a $100,000 mortgage loan. The banks approved you based and you make $60,000. So that's how I'm just making these numbers. Yeah. up. There's actually. <laughs> but let's say you make $60,000 a year, you get approved for a $100,000 mortgage and you just take that amount and you go, great, I'm going to go buy a home that's worth $100,000. That's a problem because the bank has qualified you based on your gross income. But after taxes, you only take home $50,000. So the amount they gave you was $100,000. But the actual dollar amount you have after you make your tax to the government is fifty thousand. So there's clearly a shortcoming there. They're giving you a loan for sixty thousand, but yet you only have fifty thousand to pay it back. Yeah. So that little bit explains a lot of why it's so critical that no matter what amount you're getting from a lender, you need to sit down with someone and figure out what that amount is. Because if you just take the initial dollar amount, you don't understand that's how they're qualifying you. You've effectively taken a mortgage that you can't afford. Period. Wow. Because that income that qualified you was not there. You don't make that income. So that was the first shocking thing for me. I was just like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know this <laughs> my friend, I worked into the I just assumed like I, I guess it was naive. I just the financial guy did I was like, oh, like, why would you not qualify based on what they take home? And I know for sure that that amount is what they can actually afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes back to system we're saying earlier. You know, the bank wants to give as much loans as possible because they make interest on that. So mm-hmm. it's to their advantage, their business model, the find a means to give as much qualifying amount that they can, right? Within not uh, making it seem like their loan sharks or anything like that. I'm not saying my, my minders are I not listen to this. I'm just making a case here. But um that's why it's so critical for you to um to work with someone, whoever it is, um, or just take the time personally to figure out what that magical number is. Because it's certainly not the one the bank's giving you out the gate. It's not that. Um, if you go with that, you're going to be uh, mortgage poor, potentially. Um, and I think for the it's a simple searching part, I would just say is, um, I tend to be one of the biggest tip that me and my wife did when we were searching was really, we spent a lot of time figuring out a number um and when we got that number we did not let anyone push us over didn't matter the realtor i didn't care because i knew at (laughs) the end of the day i was telling people when everything goes to crap right the homeowner is the one holding all the liability yeah your broker is not going to come back and say hey and anyway, again, let me give you $5,000 because I hear you're struggling with that. Ah. No, your realtor <laughs> is not going to say that. Your bank, like no one's going to come and give you a hand now. They're all going to expect you and be like, hey, you should have done your due diligence. So don't be fearful to stand your ground. And because at the end of the day, you're the one forking out the check. No one is going to come to save you when they realize maybe the realtor gave you the wrong, the property suggests you they missed something on it. Or your mortgage broker forgot to mention this in the financing. Like no one's going to be paying for that. There are mistakes other than you. So those are two tips I would give people.
0: Those are really good tips. <laughs> um, now, if you had a hundred thousand, speaking of a hundred thousand dollars, if you had a hundred thousand dollars, taxes are all paid on it. It's just yours to do whatever you want with. What would you do?
1: Um. Does sound the like non-smart thing to do? I would just travel the world. I love traveling <laughs> too. That's what I would do. <laughs> like honestly, that's probably what I would do. I would be like, how do I get a hundred thousand euro off to just travel the world? Nice. Um, that would be what I honestly probably would want to do with the money. Uh, what's the smart financial thing do with the money? <laughs> um, I would just invest in, you know, in the market and index fund over a long period. I don't know, that's boring, right? I you no, know, go travel <laughs> with the money.
0: <laughs> love it. <laughs> so um, now, I know we can find you, listeners can find you at wealthmarathon.com. Is that where they can also find your book?
1: Yeah. So the book can be on Amazon anywhere. So if you go to Amazon, just type in the title "Master your mortgage, um, you'll find me on there as well. Thanks. Nice. Um, you can not purchase the book on the website. So there's just more details about the book on the website. So go to Amazon or your favorite retailer for books and you'll find the book on there.
0: Okay, great. And if people wanted to follow you to learn more money tips, what is the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, so the best social platform I'm actually on actively engaged, on, yeah. would be LinkedIn. So basically, like on LinkedIn. Um, that's the one I spend a lot of time in. Um, and I usually do, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and usually Tuesday, Thursdays, I'm usually posting something related to money or you know, finance oh, cool. or mortgages. So yeah, follow me on LinkedIn. And it's just my first and last name, right Darzia. Um, and again, Marzia spelled G-B-A-R-A-Z-I-A.
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And I will also include that in the show notes and on the Kitty Credit website so people know how to reach you. Um, is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to share with our audience today?
1: Um, no, I think it's just it, the importance I think we just in the conversation is just um, knowledge is really power. So spend some time and just really learn as much as you can. Um, from different people, you know, because finance is very um, unique in the sense of like, you know, it's your personal experience. So don't just listen to one set of experiences. Learn and listen to different people who have different experiences, and then you can kind of tailor it down to your own unique experience. And so learn as much as can about finance and try your best to be mindful of the emotional traps that we all have. That's the struggle we all do. The most successful financial people just are better recognizing those emotional traps and saying no to them. So just those two things, keep learning and be aware of your emotional trap is.
0: Awesome. Brighton, thank you so much for being on Giving Credit today. I'd loved having this conversation with you. And to our audience, thank you for coming back for another week and listening and welcoming our guest, Brighton Barazia, CEO of Wealth Marathon. And I will be back again in two weeks. This podcast has been brought to you by Kitty Credit, a mobile app designed to educate children on the credit system by completing chores. Now available in the App Store and on Google Play. For more information, go to kittycredit.com. K-I-D-D-I-E-K-R-E-D-I-T.com. Kitty Credit, get it, kitty.